Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Come on. Well, I uh, have a word that's burning uh, in my spirit. I wrote it on the airplane uh, on the way back uh, from the United States. I wrote it on, on Thursday night. And I woke up this morning uh, with such an expectation in my spirit. And I think we have to challenge ourselves to be expecting. Sometimes life becomes monotonous. Your marriage can be monotonous. Your, your money can be monotonous. Your work can... It's actually a challenge for us to stir up faith in our spirits and expect it's going to go well. It's going to be good. It's God. And, and I've got a stirring in my spirit that God wants to meet with us tonight. Yeah. And, and God, I just believe God always wants to meet with us. I don't believe that that is some fancy thing. But we have front-loaded the, uh, you know, we've shortened up the front part of the service uh, you might have think, man, praise and worship went fast. Don't worry, we're coming back for that. And uh, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, the preaching and everything is going to go in the front part of the service. And then I just want to make space uh, to see what God might do, what God might say. I, I just want to challenge you this. I believe that God wants to speak to every person here. But, but you can see this as just another meeting, just another service. Yep, church, tick, we've done the 90-minute obligation on the weekend, or we can see this as a moment where we can engage the miracle worker, where we can engage the presence of God and see what he would say to us. And and so I want to make space uh, for that to happen. I believe that God wants to encounter us. I want to encounter him, but, but I believe that God wants to encounter us. Some of us come to church just hoping that God will meet with us. You have to understand, that's such a funny way of thinking. God is hoping that you would come to church so he can meet with you. He wants to meet with you outside of church too, by the way. So tonight we have shortened the service. I want to, you know, there is nothing like the presence of God. Truthfully, uh, you know, family is great. Being home after being away from my wife, Paula deserves a medal uh, to let me go to the United States for 22 days. That's pretty significant. Um, and, you know, Paula, I'm so grateful. My family is, is such an important part of my life. And, you know, shopping is great. I got some new shoes. Where's Wendy Vickery? She, she will appreciate my new shiny shoes. Wendy is like, she texts me while I was overseas. She goes, what shoes are you getting? <laughs> Ryan, they're Jordans. Yeah, it's my new, Ryan likes shoes too. It's my shoe guy. And, uh, you know, holidays are great. But truthfully, there is nothing. There is nothing like the presence of God. We were designed for the presence of God. We were designed to get away into the secret place and engage the presence of God. It's in the secret place that my anxieties are overcome with his peace. I want to say that again. It's in the secret place. When we get away with God, that our anxieties, I don't know about you, but I've got a wild mind. Anxiety is something that grips a lot of us. I get so nervous. Most people wouldn't know, but, but I get so nervous before I preach 
uh, every week. Even if I, I did a wedding yesterday. Oh, by the way, Dan and Liz got married yesterday. That's cool. Yep, pick that. Uh, we, we, we actually need to understand that when we get away into the secret place, that our anxieties are defeated by the peace of God. Philippians tells us that, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. I actually need to get away into that secret place, into the presence of God, because when I'm there, I can access his peace, which arrests every wild thing within me. It arrests my depression. It arrests my fears. It arrests my worries. The peace of God. It's in the secret place that my fears fade into nothing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be so, whoa, man, I feel overwhelmed. I feel so worried. Truthfully, I've been gone for three Sundays, and on the plane on the way home, I'm thinking we're about to go into our building project, and I'm going, gee, my finger hasn't been on the pulse for three weeks, and, and then I remembered, oh, wait a minute, it's your church, and you said you would build it. Radio, I'll back off. Your, your fears, it's in the secret place that my insecurities get grounded in sonship. I wrestle insecurity just like you. Am I enough? Am I good enough? Is my preaching going to be enough? One guy said to me before the service, I'm going to critique your message. I was like, okay. Wow, am I going to be, you know, you, I think we all, am I enough? Is what I have to give enough? I'll be honest with you, it's often not. But when I get away in the secret place, all of my insecurities get grounded in the fact that I'm a son of Almighty. We sang before, your grace is enough for me. Your grace, my, I, I am not enough, but your grace is enough. I'm not enough of a dad. I'm not enough of a husband. I'm not enough. But when I get in the secret place, I'm reminded that it's his anointing. It's his grace on my life that makes me enough. It's in my secret place that my shame is exchanged for grace. We all have those moments in our lives that we carry the stupid moments, right? The moments, why did I say that? Why did I do that? How could I? I know better than... And we wrestle these things and the shame wants to come. And so many people live their lives in a perpetual state of shame. We lose confidence. We don't have mojo because we don't feel worthy. But when I'm in his secret place, when I'm in the presence of my father, all of that washes off. It's in the secret place that my loneliness and my rejection are overcome with belonging. It's in the secret place that my approval is not based on performance or results. It's based on being a son. I love going into it because I'm a driven person. I'm a naturally motivated. I don't, I wake up ready to go. And it's actually when I get away into the presence of God that I go, you know what? None of that matters to my worth. All of that, I'm good. It's in the secret place that my tiredness and my heavy heart finds rest. It's in the secret place that I have my father's undivided attention. His eyes are on me. Do you know that God's eyes are on you? He's watching you. Not waiting for you to stuff up. No, he's watching you because he's proud of you. Do you know my favorite thing as a natural dad is to watch my children play baseball. 
I love cheering my kids on, and sure, they make mistakes, but just the fact that they're out there, my eyes are always on them, and my kids know it when my eyes are on my iPhone or when they're on them. God's eyes are on us. God wants to meet with us. We were created for intimacy. We were created for his presence. We were not created for performance. Too many people believe that we were created for mission and for mandate and for ministry. That's not true. We were created for his presence. My greatest purpose and my greatest calling and my greatest mandate is Father. Jesus knew this so well. Jesus knew the Father's approval before he had ever done anything. Scripture shows us Jesus goes to John the Baptist and and he's baptized in the Jordan. And as he's baptized in the Jordan, Father says, that is my son in whom I am well pleased. I am pleased with him. Do you know that Jesus hasn't turned the water to wine? He hasn't collected the disciples. He hasn't healed the sick. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't done the cross. He hasn't poured out the Holy Spirit. No, he hasn't done anything yet. But there is a connection of intimacy that Jesus knew from father to son that wasn't performance-based. Creation tells us that God spends five days making the heavens and the earth, the light, the greater light and the lesser light, the waters and the land, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all of the animals. And yet, he knew that he was still missing something in his creation. So he decides to make one last creation, but he does it different this time. In Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image or in our likeness. God knew that out of all the creation that he had created, there was still something that was missing, something that could reciprocate relationship. Because how can you have relationship with God if you're not like God? And so what God does is God takes the dust. Genesis 2, 7, it tells us how he makes us. It says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Man is created so different to all of the other creation. We were created with the very essence of God. The Bible uses the word ruah. That's the Hebrew word. That the ruah, the breath of God, was breathed into this Dust. It was nothing until God breathes his very essence, his very nature. That word is also translated as spirit. And we came alive with his essence in us. This is what makes us different than all of the other creation because Father imparts his own nature into us. We were created by Father for Father. He created us for no other reason than he wanted us. He created you because he wanted you. And he has desire that he would have relationship with you. And as a result, there is supposed to be an openness and a transparency that comes about our relationship with God. He wants to know us in sincerity and purity with no blockages, no hindrances. We were created for intimacy, to be known and to know. David puts it like this in Psalm 139. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. He knows you. He knows every part of you. He knows all the things that you've done that are good, and he knows all the things that 
are not good. He knows all the things that you are that you are, because he put them in there. And he knows all the things that you are not, because he left them out. It says, you know my sitting down and my rising up. He knows your coming and your going. He can't be fooled. He knows every aspect of you. He says, you understand my thoughts from afar off. That's confronting. I feel like I want to put a tinfoil hat on my head sometimes. God knows every thought. He knows your fears. He knows your doubts. There are people here and you've been a Christian for a long time and and yet somewhere in your heart you wrestle sometimes with doubts about your faith. He knows and he's not put off by it. Sometimes we feel like we have to have it all together. I got to have the facade up. God is big enough to handle your doubts. He knows your doubts already. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. For there was not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you knew it all together. One of the prophets says, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, God knows every word that's proceeded from our mouths. Says, you've hedged me behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. He's got my front and my back all squared up. And his hand is upon my life. David finishes by saying, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't get my mind around it. How is it that God knows all the things that we are and all the things that we are not, and yet he still wants to be close? We were designed for intimacy. We were designed to be close with no blockages or hindrances. God designs us to be in perfect relationship with him. And he designs us to be in relationship like that with each other. Let's check it out. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her into the man. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then the man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Intimacy. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. They were both naked. There is a, there is a vulnerability about being naked. I know some people, I do a lot of weddings and... And, and I know some people that, that, that come to me, like I had a guy one time come to me and say, James, um, it, it, so last night, you know, it happened. I said, okay, was it all right? And he goes, well, yeah, but um, all the lights were off and we were under the blankets and she was wearing most of her clothes. I said, right. There is something about us that, that even before your spouse that you're designed for, I don't want to be that vulnerable. We have areas of our lives that we want to guard. And as a result, we put up our walls. We're uncomfortable with areas of our lives. There's areas that we might be embarrassed of. I don't want you to know me that well. Like you can know me, but not too much. The idea of being exposed is extremely terrifying. Whenever you feel vulnerable, you want to run and hide. Many of the biggest issues in marriage come back to intimacy. There's no trust. There's no... 
there's no space to be vulnerable with one another. As a result, you walk around with your walls up. We build our walls. Our walls are designed to keep us safe. But the problem with our walls is that they can keep people out and even God. Many of us have experienced things in our lives that are so painful, so shameful, so embarrassing. And we build up these walls because I just couldn't stand the fact that that I might be exposed. And, And as a result, we wind up blocking God out of key areas of our lives. David says, you know you're acquainted with all of my ways, but we love to hide. Or at least we think we're trying to hide. I play hide and go seek with my children. My five-year-old's not very good at it. When she was a baby, she used to think that just covering her eyes meant that she was hiding, which is cute, but you can see her. That's how we are with God. We cover up our eyes and we think you can't see us. You don't know what's going on in my life. No, he sees you. He knows your whole life. Jesus tells us that the greatest thing that we can do in all of our lives is love God openly with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls. That's what he tells us. That's the greatest thing we can do with our lives is to love God with true openness. But that's scary. It requires a level of vulnerability, a level of transparency. I'm going to come back to Adam and Eve for a second. Because we see that their relationship shifts. God designed them to be in open, perfect relationship with one another and with him. But the relationship shifts. In Genesis 3, 6, it says that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. This is the tree that she has been told, do not eat of that tree. God gave her a clear boundary. But she saw that it was good for food and that it was pleasing to the eyes. Basically, the temptations overtook her sensations, and she disobeyed. She saw that the tree was desirable to make one wise, and she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of them both was opened, and they knew that they were naked. And so they quickly sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? That's just like me playing hide and go seek with Yana. Yana, where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you to not eat? They disobeyed Father's instructions and immediately they knew that something had changed. They felt exposed. There was a vulnerability that they they shouldn't have. uh, Nothing had really changed except we had disobeyed. and, And so for the first time ever, they realized that they're naked. Father even says, who, who told you you were naked? No one had to tell them. They knew. They knew that intimacy was broken, and now they feel vulnerable, and so we've got to put up the walls to block off and hide off. And so they make for themselves new garments. And for the first time ever, there's a blockage. There's a blockage between where God and man are supposed to be. Jesus tells us that we're, the greatest thing that we can do is love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And yet, 
We have those blockages that prohibit us from fully going there. Blockages like things we've done. I don't know about you, but I've got things in my life that I'm so ashamed of, I hope no one ever finds out. Things in my past, things I've never told people that, that, that make me feel so vulnerable and so unworthy that for such a long time they were blockages. Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he lists out all these height, nor depth, nor, nor things of the earth, nor things of the spirit realm. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But what happens is that we do things or things happen in our lives and, and all of a sudden we feel unworthy. And so nothing can separate me from God's love for me. But I'm so full of shame that my blockages make me want to hide away. And what happens is I actually reject the grace and the love that God has for me. And so whilst it's true that nothing is blocking it, nothing can separate me from it, it's also true that I am so full of myself and so full of my own wrongdoing and my own shame that I don't believe that I'm worthy. But he sees you anyway. Maybe it's not things that you've done. Maybe the blockages are things that have been done to you. Pastoring has afforded me the privilege of hearing people's stories. Some stories are the worst part of my job. Things happen to us and we feel so exposed that we just build up walls. No one will ever get in. Sometimes God, I won't let him in. Maybe it's not sin or maybe it's not something that's happened to you. Maybe it's just simple distractions. We get our eyes off of the prize. We're told to seek him first that all the other things will be added unto us. But I don't know about you, I like some of those things. And what happens is I get distracted about those other things. And sometimes we actually pray for miracles and we get so distracted by the miracle that we miss out on Father. Lord, we're believing for a house. God, we will, Lord, prosper us. Let us buy this house. I haven't seen you for like five Sundays. Oh, yeah, we've been working on the house. Been doing the gardens. Lord, bless us with a baby. Lord, Lord, we've been barren for so Lord, we want a baby, God. We've got our baby. It's hard to put him first because I'm so obsessed with the miracle of my baby that I miss out on who Father is. Lord, give me a job. Lord, I'm desperate. Lord, we need a job. We're going to go under God if I don't get a pay. Lord, we need it. And before you know it, the miracle of your job has distracted you away from the secret place. You weren't created for your job. You weren't created for your marriage. You weren't created for your house. You weren't created for your baby. You were created for your father. But what happens is we get so distracted by all the miracles that we're praying for. Maybe you're not distracted. Maybe you're just disappointed. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can feel so discouraged, so disappointed. A thing that I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And now I'm so down because it didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. And what happens is it creates a wall. It creates a blockage. Instead of running to my father in my midst, I actually steal my heart against everything so that I'll never be disappointed again. We do that all the time. Maybe your kids have disappointed you. Maybe your spouse has disappointed you. Maybe you were going to get that job and you really needed that job, and you thought it was the one, but you didn't get it, and now you're so discouraged. And I'm going to put my walls up so I never get hurt ever again. But we were created for the secret place. I wasn't created to have blockages. God sees me 
with my new Jordans when he sees me when I'm naked. And he likes it both. I look better with clothes on, trust me. Just got, you know, four or five kilos extra from the United States. Friends, we've got to be intentional about finding Father. We've got to be intentional about seeking him first, about getting into the intimate place, the secret place. I want to invite the worship team to come. I want to share with you a couple of ways that, that you get back into that sweet spot again. How do you get back into the sweet place again? How do you get back into that intimacy again? The first one is repentance. Father paid the ultimate price in sacrificing Jesus so that we wouldn't have to have any blockages. Jesus' whole mission, his whole mandate was to do the will of the Father. What was the will of the Father? To eradicate all blockages so that you and I could know him with openness, vulnerability, transparency, and intimacy. But it's going to require us humbling ourselves and letting go and repenting. I don't know what you've been doing, but my question is, is it taking you closer to Jesus or is it taking you further away from Jesus? And if what you're doing is taking you further away from Jesus, stop. Stop. I read a terrible statistic that, that for people under 30, that, that, that 80% of men under 30 watch pornography. 35% of women watch pornography. It's a secret thing that, that I do in my own private time, but God sees me. And I'm telling you, friend, if you don't think that that's creating a blockage in your life, you are, you are believing a lie. What you do in private is totally affecting every other area of your life. You might be drinking. Well, nobody sees it. And I'm not out in public and I'm not doing nudie runs on the football field. Okay, that's good. But it's what I do in private. We actually need to get on our knees. We need to say, Father, you see me as I am. You are intimately acquainted with all of my ways and some of my ways are not right. And right now I, I repent, I surrender of those things. I don't want them in my life anymore. I surrender everything that would be a blockage. Second thing that draws the secret place is hunger. It's passion. Some of us come to church and we're so cool. We're too cool for Jesus. I think Jesus likes mascara that's running. We spend so much time getting our eyes just right. Well, not me. Other members of my family. Spend so much time getting our eyes just right. Jesus loves messy mascara. He loves passion. He loves hunger that says, you know what? I am not going to bring a facade into your presence. I'm going to bring me. You want me who I am. You didn't create me to wear fig leaves. You created me to be open and transparent. Keep your clothes on. Because that like was a one-time deal. It's now closed forever. But we got to not be hung up. I can't worship in chairs. 
I'm the senior pastor, but if I wasn't the senior pastor, I would have to, like, I would worship up the back. I would come, like, this is me right here. This, this whole zone is me. Don't even come near it. And that zone over there is Ron's. He'll karate kick you if you get, don't even go in Ron's zone. I can't worship in my chairs because God is not one meter by one meter. He wants my passion. Some of us, our passion is, is faded. And the last way that I get into the secret place is surrender. Repentance and surrender are not the same thing. Repentance is where I'm in sin and I need to turn. Maybe I have unforgiveness. Maybe there's blockages. But surrender, sometimes I want things so bad. I want it so bad. I thought it was going to go another way, but God says if you seek me first, if you surrender, if you would yield, if you would lay it down, if you would lay down your dreams and your desires and your distractions and your disappointments and surrender, I can breathe on your dust and bring you back to life. He wants nothing more than surrendered hearts. He doesn't want Christian know-it-alls. He doesn't want professional Christians. He loves your mess. He doesn't ask you to be perfect. He just says, come. Don't wait. Don't wait. Tonight, God wants to peel you back. He wants you to be sensitive to him again. He wants to speak to you about things that, that you and I, I and, and by the way, I, God wants to speak to me. He wants to do things in me. I'm a work in progress just like you're a work in progress. I live by this all the time. If I don't get away into the secret place, you do not want me as your pastor. You know, at church, we call this space the altar. It's not A-L-T-E-R, like change. It's altar, A-L-T-A-R. It's a spelling difference. Why do we call it the altar? We call it the altar because that is where you present a sacrifice in the Old Testament. They would build an altar. And then they would put their cow, or they would put their crops, they would put whatever they were giving unto God onto the altar. And it's funny, whenever you put your mess on the altar, he alters. There's a change. You put it on the A-L-T-A-R, and he brings A-L-T-E-R in your life as you start to change. We're instructed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I don't know what your dream is that, that has just been eating you inside. It's, you know, and I'm all for faith and not letting go of the promise, I, by the way. But I don't want to be so holding on to the promise that I can't hold the hand of my father. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.